Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel, and today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Jeremiah Boucher of Patriot Holdings. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind please heading over to iTunes and rating this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thank you for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Jeremiah is the founder and CEO of Patriot Holdings. Patriot Holdings is an alternative commercial real estate investment firm based out of Las Vegas, Nevada. They focus on cash flow producing properties, including mobile home parks, our favorite, self-storage facilities, and industrial park properties. The firm has over 20 years of experience in these alternative investment classes and has built a portfolio of over $90 million in assets under management. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Uh, maybe you could start out by just telling us a little bit about your story and how you got into manufactured housing. Sure, sure. So uh, I got in back in 2006. Uh, I was uh, I quit college in Vegas. I I was a floundering realtor. I was flipping houses. Uh, I was 25 at the time and uh, decided that that wasn't for me. I couldn't couldn't differentiate myself from anyone else. So I, I read if if some of your listeners ever checked out you know Frank and Dave's original stuff, read their their uh, that ten twenty ten uh, investing system, and uh, and dove all in. So I actually called Dave up and and uh, we connected on the phone. I was a young guy. I was hungry. I said, Hey, what what can I do to get into this business? And ultimately, it was um, go find a deal. Yeah, so I I learned what a deal was and. Uh, scoured the country, cold calling owners, building my list, just grinding it out on the phone and and pretty much did that for almost 10 years for those guys and, and worked with them, partnered with them, assigned them some deals, helped them build up their fund. And we had a good run together and uh, then got off on my own and, and we did a, an equity swap and I bought my own properties in Vegas and they took all the stuff in the Midwest. And at that point, I, I got thrown into the operations, I mean, full time. So I, I had about 500 pads around Nevada and I had to build a management team, had to build an accounting team, had to build a, uh, still keep up the prospecting and was juggling a million things at that time in 2016. And, and eventually got the portfolio turned around, raised the rents, put in 28 new homes, filled them all up with a section eight with uh, rentals, sold a few, did every CapEx project you could think of and turned that portfolio around and sold it in 2019, exited that, had a, had a really nice payday. And that catapulted me, you know, in 2019, I was able to really invest in my management company. And over that time, uh, then started pivoting into some other asset classes. I mean, more full-time and building, really building up the private equity portion of the company. That's fantastic. And for those listeners that have attended an MHU bootcamp with uh, Frank and Dave, you know, Jeremiah is the mobile home park wholesaler that Frank references where he's like, oh, this guy, this cold caller out in Vegas, he just makes like 200, 300 phone calls a day and, uh, you know, was calling. That is, that is Jeremiah. So excited to have you on the, on the show because you're, 
you're a legend. Everybody hears about you in all of those uh, those boot camps. Yeah, yeah. So. No more wholesaling, though. I no nobody call me. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not assigning any deals to anybody. But yeah, that's awesome. So Jeremiah, what has been the toughest hurdle for you in the mobile home park business? Ooh, I think the the transition of the industry. Right, there was the guys in before I got in, and and they were really successful because there was not a lot of competition, right? Sure. And, and there's a big difference between five-star parks and Sam Zell Equity Lifestyle Arcs and the traditional trailer park. So over that time, uh, for me, it was learning the difference between the quality of the assets, where in the beginning, it was all about cash flow. What can I get the best cap rate, the best return on investment, the lowest down payment, the best terms. And over time, I've learned that 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 isn't necessarily what I focus on anymore because the asset itself, the underlying asset is, is really important because one deal can look like a great opportunity on paper and then it can suck the life of you, suck, suck your life of your investors, your money, your team, and you're, you're so bogged down by the operations that that one deal alone, the opportunity cost took away from all the other deals that were out there that you could have pursued. So for me, it was uh, learning. And then I'm not saying when you start out that you, you go after five-star parks. I'm just saying that you need to understand what to look for in the asset uh, in terms of the infrastructure, quality of residence, quality of homes, where you're, you're not getting into a money pit or a time pit or something that's going to detract from the bigger plan. So for me, I've been transitioning where it's really about quality, not, not quantity of deals. Mm. and I focus more on higher quality parks, quality residents, quality homes with pride of ownership. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid of private utilities. I mean, we have a lot of parks in the, the Northeast and in, in New England, where I'm originally from, uh, where there's uh, wells, septics, treatment plants, very few park owned homes. But yeah, that, I, I'm looking at quality right now yeah. and somewhat scale. So you need, you know, there has to be at least 50 to 80 pads. I mean, to, to look at it, we got to be generating about 20 grand a month per asset for it to really it, it be worth the time and the energy to focus on. Sure. And there's got to be some component of, of a value add, some type of improvement where I can fill some lots, you know, submeter utilities, I can raise rents, do something in there over time after I improve the community, because there's a lot of, uh, bad press right now about manufactured housing, about, uh, operators that just abuse the asset. I see a lot of new people coming into space. They'll buy the property, jack the rents up 100 to 200 bucks, gives us a bad name in return, not doing one thing to improve the community, not paving the roads, no community amenities, you know, not even within market rents. Yeah. So we're, we're really fighting that battle. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing asset class. I'm still 100% behind it. I, you know, I don't think it's going anywhere. Affordable housing is, is the future, you know, and, and I think pride of ownership and mobile homes are, differentiate uh, this asset class from apartments or other types of uh, affordable housing. So I, I am going to continue to stay in the space, but I'm a lot more prudent, very picky about what I'm buying. And, uh, and I still have a, a good outlet, outlet for the future. But what we were talking about earlier is just, just really being careful with rent control, rent regulations, mm. abiding by all the policies, you, yeah. you know, these are, these are things that I'm heavily invested in because I think this industry will be targeted oh, and, yeah. and, and not, I'm not saying it shouldn't or it should, I, I'm, I have no political view on it. I'm just saying that it's, it's about res being a responsible landlord and that's what we're focusing on. Yeah. 
you made several good points. You know, one point I wanted to bring up is just the quality of these assets. You know, like you said, there's there's mobile home parks that have not been taken care of, lots of deferred maintenance. And, you know, the, the properties that are harder to manage are those properties where they have an older home inventory and just they have a lot of, you know, I would say almost beyond, you know, recovery, deferred maintenance. For sure. And it's sad, but just a lot of mom and pops have kind of just let these things deteriorate over time. And, you know, I think it's good that there's new money coming in. Mm -hmm. But like you said earlier, some of these newer operators that are just jacking up rents and not adding value for that are giving, you know, good operators like yourself and, and, and myself a bad rep. Sure. And it's just, it gives us just another hurdle in addition to the stigma that we have to have to face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to, when, when investing in a park, you got to look at it. Uh, what is the long-term replacement plan, right? These assets, uh, the, the homes, a lot of the parks were built in the fifties, yeah. you know, fifties, sixties, some early seventies. And this, these infrastructures are outdated, you know, you know, water, sewer lines, oh, yeah. uh, pedestals with power, you know, electrical grids, all of it is it's eventually there's going to be need to be capital yeah. improvements done. And then also looking at it, like at the asset, does this asset, is it built in a way that I can continue to improve it where I can exchange out the homes where there's the sizable yeah. home where I can get a 16 by 80 oh. or at least a 14 by 50 or 60, at least, at yeah. least where you can get in there and someone's going to want to live in that because people don't live in 400 square foot boxes. I don't believe in the tiny home movement, or at least for <laughs> permanent residents, you sure. know, I think it's more of a vacation type of fad, but the, for our communities, you know, and, and there's a play for urban infill. I mean, you can buy a tight uh, park with, you know, 12 foot wide or 10 foot wide homes in a very dense market, but that is purely a redevelopment play. Sure. I mean, I don't, you cannot look at that uh, like you're going to replace that, put a brand new home and find uh, you know, families that are going to be able to live in there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking at the size of the lots. I want to, uh, and, and if if someone's getting into the business, they really underestimate. And I think with especially with a lot of big funds now in the business, they underestimate the amount of time, energy, and capital it takes to, to replace homes. Oh yeah. I mean, that is the thing no one talks about in the industry, right? Oh yeah. It's like, you know, an apartment, you could turn a unit, you know, carpet paint, you know, even cabinets, you just you swap it out, right? Sure. But our industry, you're basically building a dealership, a sales business. Yeah. And and that is, you know, there's there's challenges getting the, the, the resident financed when you get the home and you sell it to them and them having the funds to, to buy the home. So for me, I, I also have to look at the demographics of the area and I'm not looking for affluent areas, but uh, working class areas where there's a barrier to entry into housing costs. Mm. So in New England or parts of, of upstate New York, there's the cost of housing is it's preventative of people buying a home, uh, a single family home. Yeah. So if there's, you know, right now, you know, in, in parts of New Hampshire that we have parts are four or $500,000 to buy a home. Yeah. So $150,000 mobile home is, is, a, oh, is a gift. A great, you know, great it's, a, it's a great deal. So in our lot rents are $500 a month and, and taxes alone on a home would be close to that. Sure. So I, you know, looking at, I'm not saying you need to be in markets like that, but, but looking at least at if that's your plan to build out your heart with newer homes, which in turn increases your value and lowers the cap rate and, and mm -hmm. gives you a high quality residence and the appeal of the park is a lot better. So that you need to look at what, what is the competition out there in terms of what, what do people have available to them? And then really, if, it, if that isn't the play, that's okay. Do the rental parks, yeah. right? You know, where you, you help get people into a home and they come up with some type of program to eventually own their home. 
but uh, but know what you're getting into and don't think you're going to buy 20 or 30 homes in a market where, you know, it, it, parts of uh, Oklahoma or the Midwest where you can get a house for still $150,000. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. A friend of mine is a home builder and he's, you know, in the central Florida area and his entry level houses, entry level, you know, homes right now yeah. are going for a minimum of $350,000. Yeah. And it's like that, it, you know, that Delta is just so big right now that it's really preventative, like you're saying, for these, you know, lower income families. Oh, yeah. So it's it's a real problem. And, you know, we're providing a good solution. I yeah. Yeah. The problem right now is inventory, right? It's oh. us getting homes. Yeah. That's the challenge. Yeah. Eight to 10 months out with yeah. all the backlogs. So it's uh, it's a wild time. Let me ask you this, Jeremiah. What are the most important things that passive investors, you know, we're talking about just limited partners, need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? I think one is that you got to you got to want if you're going to be a active investor, you're going to be a general partner and you're going to control the investment one. You got to want to do it. Yeah, because that, that alone is I mean, you're going to want to manage. You're going to oh, sure. I, I don't recommend hiring a third party manager. I don't, I don't I, if if people are third party managers out there, nothing against that, but it's just it's a tough it's, ride. It's different than than regular apartment multifamily property management. It is, sure. it is, and I I wouldn't suggest uh, hiring out that service yeah. uh, unless you have a, a really really large high quality park, but that's usually institutional grade and owned by a large institution. So for a small investor, if they're buying a, a park of any of any size, I think that they need to want to manage it. They got to understand the business. They have to uh, factor that in with their and be returns. ready, right? Like a, a lot of investors, I think, get into this thinking, oh, this is going to be completely passive. This is something, you know, they're paying lot rent. I don't have to do repairs and maintenance, which is not the case. This is an active business. That's right. Totally. That's for, for general partners that want to be, you know, the sole owner. Yes. What about for like limited partners yeah. that invest in a fund or in a syndication? You know, what do you think they need to know, you know, before they allocate money? I think for... Uh, there's a lot of funds out there now and, and the space is really, really popular. I think that the main thing for the limited partner to look at is uh, on, a, on a project level, on a deal level, is, is look at the quality of the assets that they're buying yeah. and look at the, uh, really, you want to understand what the, the business plan is. Is it uh, one and done? You know, you buy, buy a park, raise the rents really high, sell it. I mean, it now that over time, I don't think that's going to be sustainable. Yeah. You know, the rents can only go so high. People can afford only so much. I would ask, you know, who's managing the asset? You know, mm. what's the team around it? Because, you know, no matter how good the asset is, the, uh, the investor or, or the general partner can, can ruin a good asset. So it's really determined on, you know, so what's the operator's experience? How are they managing the asset? What are the quality of the assets? And then on the other, the flip side of it, you know, uh, I think syndications, 101 where people are evaluating how how do I get paid as a limited partner? Mm -hmm. I mean, would I look at and passively invest in other other uh, sponsors or other deals, commercial deals? I, I want to know first uh, how how much money do they have in into the investment? You know, as sure. long as they have skin in the game, you know, some some form of capital, some guarantee. You know, that that to me, number one, means that they're personally invested in the deal. Definitely. You know, the more money they have in, the more I feel, you know, I'd, I'll invest my money alongside them. Uh, number two, I, I think I want to know um, how do I get paid? You know, what what is the the waterfall of I? How do I get paid back? Mm -hmm. And that really comes down to uh, do do I 
do I get paid first or do I get paid at least a uh, preferred return or some type of return before everyone else gets paid, the general partners? And if that's the case, then I think our interests are aligned. So, that, and then from there, it just comes down to, you know, whatever you're comfortable in, whatever region, whatever asset class, all that good stuff. Great tips. Great tips. Let's go into the next piece here. What does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes and why? Uh, for me, I, I have a community in uh, in New Hampshire, and it it's 80 pads, big lots, uh, not too many trees. You know, trees will be a huge, you know, because oh, you're sewer in, lines. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So and and just the cost. Yeah, to cut to keep them trimmed. Uh, nice, nice wide roads, parking, two car parking at every home. You can fit a double wide. Uh, a good mix of newer homes. Uh, you got pride of ownership working class people. We have area in the front of the property where we have a park or we have a, an open uh, uh, a playground area, you know, grassy area, good curb appeal, um, green, lush, uh, good infrastructure, we got PVC lines, you got yeah. plastic sewer lines. Um, it's, it's just a real high quality park. We we're actually on septic out there. I mean, but wow. I think the, uh, for that, it's a good system. It leaches well. Um, so there's no sewer costs are very minimal. Uh, our water is city water. We like that. We're off the liability for that. Um, no park owned homes. Wow. There was, uh, 11 vacant lots, those lots, that's our, our upside mm. homes in the area. Mobile homes will go for 110 to 150,000. That's great. So that, that for us is a really ideal park. And we got a good mix of seniors, families, kids. I mean, it's, it's a, that to me, that's really what I'm laser focused on right now. So my only question on that is, are you interested in selling that part? <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's a long-term hold. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. That sounds like a nice one. Uh, what common mistakes do new mobile home park operators make? Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot right now. You know. <laughs> you see it every day. Uh, one, underwriting the deal poorly. Yeah. Right? You know, including park-owned home income right mm -hmm. away. So number one is getting duped the seller that one everyone's paying to all the park owned homes generate a ton of cash flow mm. and uh three that there's you know it's easy to manage oh those those things right there you yeah know, that, no those are big three right there yeah we just we just had a park under contract and then like a week before closing we get the collection report you know showing how much each tenant has owed mm -hmm. and it's like when we went under contract to right before closing the seller just like walked away Oh, it was yeah. like he just stopped pursuing collections and, you know, stopped knocking on doors. So that's a really good piece of advice for other operators out there is, you know, don't just expect things to go business as usual. Make no. sure you're getting a collection report before you close on the asset. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Awesome, Jeremiah. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about Patriot Holdings and, you know, your value proposition, what makes you guys different? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we're a private equity firm. It's like you guys, we, we raise funds. I put a lot of funds into deals. I have a management company. We, we self-manage pretty much all our assets. I, I pivoted in 2015, 2016, uh, because in a lot of markets that have uh, mobile homes, there's a lot of storage facilities as well. Mm -hmm. So in that, at that time, I, I started looking in, in New England at, around some of our assets. And it, it, this was areas that were pretty rural. You know, they were pretty small towns looking at storage in these markets. And to, over time, I started to realize I did, I liked the complementary aspect of that asset class. Hmm. So I put, I, I put a lot of effort and energy into building up a storage portfolio. 
you know, right now we got a million square feet under management. We're building another half a million square feet throughout wow. the Northeast. And for me, it was uh, also finding a really good management partner, two mm-hmm. partners, actually. Yeah, I got uh, So on the mobile home park and construction side, I got a great partner named Tim. On the other side, I have uh, on the operations, a partner named Diane. So over that time, I, I needed a team. Yeah. yeah. And that was really important for me. So I re- recommend anyone out there, you know, get, understand the business. Yeah. Do, do your deals. You know, obviously you don't need a partner, but, but in the beginning, do them on your own, learn it. But then over time, I mean, you got to leverage your time with good people around you. Yeah. So that was the game changer for me. So Patriot Holdings, what we, we focus now, like I said, like you said, in the beginning, there is, is alternative commercial real estate assets where we, we really like a a commodity based asset where there's multiple tenants, right? Where there's not one tenant, you know, I've been burned a few times investing in office or retail where there's a large tenant that really determines the value of your asset and your return on investment for all your investors. And I I don't like that type of pressure. So I don't mind the added management component Mm -hmm. because if we have an asset where uh, there's a high uh, proposition to our customers, our residents, our tenants, and something fails, mm-hmm. you know, or, or they they don't they don't pay. You know, basically, we get them out. Somebody swaps right back in. Yeah. So so storage was that that other business that co- complemented what we were already doing, and a lot of our residents already needed it. So we we started to acquire assets that were under the radar of some of the big guys. You know, mm-hmm. under thirty thousand square feet, under a couple million bucks in tertiary markets or really somewhat rural markets. But, but we had the uh, economics that made sense where the, the rent still made sense. Um, there was a, a demand for the product. It was underdeveloped in those products. Not a lot of, I mean, in those areas, not a lot of supply. So we went in there and did what we do with parks. We, we mm. paved it, painted it, put up fencing, put up cameras, put up lighting, put in good management, it, not on-site management, just put in management where someone was picking up the phone from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and, and mm. servicing our customers, giving the option to pay on credit card. I mean, just basics that we, you know, that storage should provide. And we, we took that model and just ran with it. So right now we got 44 assets uh, in storage. And, and this, if it, it's the same model, you know, and we're actually pivoting also to small bay industrial. So mm. as storage gets saturated in certain markets, we like providing spaces for contractors to do business. So anywhere between 1,000 and 5,000 square feet. They have a bathroom, small office, a roll-up door in the front, roll-up door in the back. So we're looking at existing industrial parks and developing out small industrial parks. Wonderful. Wow. Very cool. That is a unique dynamic that I don't think I've heard any other operators dabbling in. So I think that definitely makes you guys different and uh, it's pretty cool. So yeah. how can uh, our listeners get a hold of you or Patriot Holdings if they would like to do so? Yeah, yeah just patriotholdings.com. Nice and easy. easy. Enough. Yeah, and if you're in Vegas, you know, come visit us. We're, we're by uh, Caesars Palace. So, nice. you know, 4,017 Martin. So swing in, say hello. We're, we're there every, every weekday. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I love it. I'll make sure to put that website in the show notes. You know, thank you so much for coming on the show and, yeah, and adding value to the listeners. It was a pleasure. That's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thanks for having me. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.